This episode is the second in a two-part series. If you haven't heard the first part, go back and listen to episode 28. Thank you, and back to the episode. Last week, we left off with Darren and Trisha both grappling with burnout and questioning their artistic paths. Trisha decided to return to her roots, seeking solace and self-discovery in the comfort of her family and the loving embrace of her mother's home-cooked meals. Meanwhile, Darren was undergoing a period of deep introspection and pondering his place in the world. He began to consider whether his skills and passion could be put to greater use beyond the confines of his studio. Consequently, he set off to Skid Row with the intention of extending a helping hand to the homeless, eager to make a positive impact in any way he could. How did they find each other again, and how did they become Georgica? Let's find out just that on today's episode. This is the My Artist Real Podcast, a narrative journey into the lives that shape art. I'm Jacob Johnson, and today's episode, Georgico, Part 2, right after the break. This episode is brought to you by the Mired is Real Patreon page. This show wouldn't be possible without the support of all of you. If you enjoy this show, please head on over to patreon.com forward slash Mired is Real and sign up today to get bonus content while supporting the show and allowing us to improve the quality and to make more content for you. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Our story unfolds today on the gritty streets of Skid Row where Darren has formed a connection with a young man. Darren's unwavering determination is focused on guiding this individual toward recovery from addiction and overcoming the challenges of homelessness. But there was a series of kind of really traumatic events that happened while I was down there. The main one really culminated in this uh, young man who was like maybe only two years older than me, uh, was homeless. I developed this really deep friendship with him. Uh, he was a heroin addict. He kind of, you know, was estranged from his family and, and was really alone. We just developed this friendship over the year. And uh, there's a certain point where he basically hit rock bottom and uh, just was like ready to kind of just be done with life and everything. And at that point, I just felt like, hey, like there's an opportunity here, like, you know, for you to kind of get out of this lifestyle. So I helped get him housed and he got him on a methadone regimen and took him to the clinic and stuff and reconnected him with his family and like everything was so positive you know like he got clean um started to have vision for his life his parents were so excited you know they were like man we haven't talked to him for years and then basically he ended up relapsing and then overdosing and passing away and that was just really traumatic for me in a sense of like thoughts of like did i do enough you know like you know Darren felt a heavy sense of remorse over the recent events, began to question whether his efforts had been sufficient to help the young man. Despite giving his best, the experience had deeply shaken him and compelled him to once more reflect on his life's purpose. But that was a healing journey for me that I had to go through. And then ultimately, I kind of felt like I was called back into art because I kind of just didn't know what to do at that point. And uh, I remember kind of having this dialogue in a sense of my mind in a, in prayer i was kind of like arguing with god like because i kind of felt like i was supposed to go back to school and i was like why would i go back to school when there are people suffering like i don't want to do this this is like so, it feels so selfish right but then the slot just kind of into my mind like no it's selfish for you to kind of just like do what you feel like you want to do you know like it's selfish for you to like think that you know better what to do with your life and you see people suffering and you think that you feel like helping people, so then you think that's the best thing. 
So I just felt like I had to kind of put my faith that in God that, okay, if I'm supposed to go back to school, let's just trust God with that and let's just kind of see what happens. I've long held this belief that art stands as one of the most precious creations of humanity. It possesses a timeless quality that permits us to weave narratives and stories and we can invoke joy and sadness and, and most importantly, stimulate deeper conversations about the world and society's norms. For Darren, art would end up being his way of aiding others. And perhaps remaining within the confines of a studio was in fact one of the most selfless acts he could undertake. Now Darren is back at the Art Center, focused on graduating. It took Trisha a bit longer to make it back. She tried out a couple of courses in community college and had some jobs, but eventually decided she also needed to return to Art Center. While I was taking a break, other people graduated and went off and made these huge names for themselves and, you know, started these amazing, awe-inspiring careers. And I was trying to remember how to do things. You know, I was like, how do I do this again? Like, I don't remember, you know, this anatomy or that medium or whatever. So there's this sort of weird starting over in some sense. The first time she was at Art Center, she was purely focused on getting her work done and passing the class. There were some good times here and there, but it was mostly stress. This time around, Trisha had a new approach to her art and was focused more on what she wanted to say and why she wanted to make art instead of feeling forced to create. I felt more freedom or was trying to work towards freedom in my artwork and trying to figure out style, trying to figure out what do I want to say? What does my artwork mean? Um, as opposed to like, I just need to get this done. So I'm not going to sleep for three days in a <laughs> row. You know, before it was just, it was just survival mode. And it was just like, I just hope I'm not the worst one in the class yeah. <laughs> because it would be so humiliating if I were, you know, like it, it was more just survival instinct before. And, and the second time around, it's like, what, what does this mean? What is the purpose of this? You know, so a little bit more introspective and philosophical. Art also became a way for her to sort out her thoughts and her uncertainties about the future. Still, still in a place of uh, growing and examining myself at the time. And, and so I, I was struggling with my artwork and just so many insecurities were coming out during that time. But I think it's good that they were coming out into the light so that I could take a good look at them. Uh, so it was challenging because no one ever wants to look their own insecurities in the eye. No one wants to see their faults. Um, but I was seeing a lot of it and it was pretty ugly. <laughs> um, and so art in some ways also became a very cathartic sort of vehicle for me too. Like, I'm not feeling so good. And a drawing would come out of that or a painting would come out of that. They weren't good, but they weren't for anyone. They weren't for a science. It was for myself, and it was a way for me to process. And it's funny because I feel like that's really natural for kids or young people to do. And then once art turns into work, there's a whole different struggle with that. This time around was also less stressful for Darren as he was able to let loose and not take every criticism so hard. I was less trying to impress the teachers and the students, because I think I, I, I was just coming back from like, you know, being on the street, <laughs> like, having like shootings happening and stabbings happening around me and stuff like that. So I was just kind of like, art to me still just felt like I, I still didn't understand why. I was literally there because I felt like I was supposed to be there. So when I, my work would be getting critiqued and being ripped apart by the teachers, 
I didn't take it so personally. I was kind of like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in that sense, I think already I felt like, you know, the artist identity was already kind of in the unhealthy way where it's like, that's what you're tied to was already kind of being taken away from me as I entered college. But then that happens even to a greater degree when I came back from kind of being in the inner city. I just kind of was like able to hear the, the critique and kind of just be like, yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, maybe there's a, a better, uh, more healthy uh, self-confidence. After each of their separate breaks, they found themselves back at Art Center and ready to rekindle their relationship. If we had started dating right after that magical drive, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if things would have turned out oh, well yeah. at all. That's true. Um, so, yeah, during our like little sort of friendship break and my school break, I just grew up and changed so much. And so by the time I came back to Art Center, I think that was just the right timing to start dating and you know, grow this relationship in a new way. And it was still really hard at that time. There's just so much to unpack with, you know, the self, with insecurities and anxieties. Like I still struggle with a lot of anxiety and insecurity like here and there these days. So I know it's just kind of like a lifelong lesson and journey. But even just those two years of wrestling with that away from Darren, you know, so there's not that pressure of dating or relationship, but just me and myself and God, like, we're going through a healing journey. We're figuring things out. Um, I think that made such a huge difference in, yeah, in determining uh, how our relationship went when we did finally start dating. So when did you start dating exactly? We started dating my last semester at Art Center, so 2011. Well, it was right after I came back mm-hmm. to school. It was Trisha's first semester back to school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how did that go? Did you just <laughs> ask her out? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think... Uh, I think I did, huh? I, I, I feel like we were kind of, it was, it was like an knew, elephant in the room. Yeah, we kind of knew it was going to happen. Kind of took the pressure off of me, at least in the uncertainty of like, is she going to say yes or not? But it was, you know, just like any, anything, it's still scary. Yeah, and, and we also, mind you, um, this was our first dating relationship, both Trisha and I. Mm-hmm. So we really didn't know what to expect. We were kind of like, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to function as a dating relationship? Like, I remember even calling Trisha my girlfriend was like really weird for a long time. And it's funny, you know, at Art Center, a lot of people saw us together as friends. And they were like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, they just kind of like, oh, I assume that you guys were dating this whole time. So when we would say like, hey, we're dating now, they were just kind of like, yeah, so. What know, is? Like, whatever. <laughs> like, we thought you guys already were. Before long, Darren was ready to graduate. What did he have planned next? Well, he had no clue. I have no clue. Like, I just like painting, and I that's it. Like <laughs> Painting, in my mind, is like, and they were kind of like, it's not a career. <laughs> it's funny, because you, you talk to people who don't know anything about art, and they're like, oh, did you go to college for drawing or painting? Because like, that's kind of their idea of what an artist is. And uh, that's literally almost the way my mind was. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I just... All I know is that I kind of like painting and, and I, that's it. Sure, you can graduate and just start painting and trying to get your art seen, but it's very difficult. You can also focus on other industries like getting a job in design and advertising, but nothing felt quite right for him. I just remember doing those kind of mock interviews uh, with, with different industry people. And I just, again, I just really have nothing. I feel like I really didn't know. 
I kind of was just, you know, again, this is where our faith really ties into our career. I was just trusting God that there was some purpose for our life, you know, and in that sense, maybe the same's irresponsible, but I was just kind of like, I didn't feel the pressure that I had to make something of myself. So, Trisha, when, when you got ready to graduate, how were you feeling? I was feeling stressed. <laughs> I feel like that's that's in like everything I'm saying in this whole in this whole episode. It's just I was stressed at this and I was stressed <laughs> at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I was I was stressed because when I decided to come back to school, similar to Darren, I just felt like I was supposed to do it, but that didn't make the future any clearer for me. So I just thought, like, am I supposed to just get my degree and then become a dentist? No, just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> but, you know, like, I, I that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to have an art career. You know, like, I, I couldn't see that far into the future. And, you know, for a lot of the students, after the foundational years, they kind of know what they want. And so they start picking their classes carefully to build towards the career that they want. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was like, I don't know what I want either, you know, just like Darren. So I was taking super random classes like, oh, that sounds fun. That sounds fun. That sounds fun. <laughs> and so by the time it was time to graduate, it, it was I was a little flustered because some of the some of our other um, classmates, by the time they were graduating, they had already secured jobs. You know, they already had a definitive style and were already growing like a list of clientele, like all these very professional things. Because she had just started to fully embrace her art, she was still finding her voice and wasn't sure of what she wanted to do with her art either. For myself, I felt like I was barely scratching the surface of the kind of art I wanted to do. Again, I I didn't even know what kind of art I wanted to do. And I didn't even know what style I wanted to do. I still didn't know what I wanted to say. I just started trying to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and with the idea of failing at something. So, you know, by the time I graduated, it was this very uncomfortable feeling of like, what do I have to, what do I have to show for myself for these long years and for all these monies that I put into this? Like, I I don't know if I have anything concrete to show that I didn't, that I spent my time well. While she didn't realize it then, it's now seeing where she has come that all that time spent exploring her mind opened up the doors to make her current art. But I think looking back now, all the growth was in me and that it was really a springboard into that artistic journey. So I'm still really thankful that I went to the school and then I I graduated Um, and I definitely couldn't have anticipated where we are currently in our career with being in the fine arts world. Like that was at the bottom of my list in terms of career options. Yeah, I was thinking more like commercial or entertainment based or like making books, making toys. Like I was was thinking on the other end of the spectrum. And so it is very mind boggling when I look at what we're working on, you know, right now. And I never could have predicted that, but so much of it, you know, just came from being uncomfortable and uh, yeah, school made me very uncomfortable (laughs) for for the whole time I was there. (laughs) While they were both finishing up at Art Center and not sure what they would do next, they each found a job teaching art to children. So while we were in college, we both had a teaching job, um, teaching kids, you know, at an art school. And um, I came upon this job 
which led Trisha into this same, teaching at the same school because um, I, I was looking for an easy job to just kind of make some money. And uh, I was like, okay, well, I'm already learning stuff at art school. I feel like, you know, I've never taught before, but maybe I could figure out a way to teach, you know, what I'm learning. So um, I told a friend, I was like, hey, I'm looking for an art teaching job. Yeah, he was kind of like, okay, like, I think I know of one. Let me, let me kind of refer you. So I was like, okay. And I remember I was driving down the street and I was at a stop, a stoplight. And I turned and I looked to my right and there was this building. <laughs> I thought it was a really ugly building. <laughs> it distinctly like, stood out to me. And I actually pointed out it and I actually laughed. And I said, I will never work at a place like that because <laughs> it was an art school. I was like, I would never work at an art school like that. And I drove off. And I'm sure you can guess where this is going. And then my friend called me that week and he was like, hey, like the art school has a position open. Um, do you want to go in for an interview? I was like, yes. You know, like, give me the address and give me the address. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I think that's the art school that I pointed <laughs> at last week. And uh, so I went in for that interview. Sure enough, it was that place. And I, um, I really did not like it. I really wanted to leave from the moment I had interviewed. But again, I just saw this weird providential thing where I was like, this is weird. <laughs> you know, like that I literally was like, I'll never work there. And this is the door that kind of opened. So I kind of just took it in stride. And I was like, okay, let me just try it out. Well, he did more than try it out. And um, yeah, so I worked at that arts at that art school for three years. I think two of the years um, I was, uh, no, no, no. One of the years I was still in school, but the other two years were after I graduated. And that kind of was like my stable income. But I really didn't like it the whole time I was there. Um, but through it, I think I learned a lot. I learned a lot from the owner of the business and um, Trisha worked there as well. She wasn't sure if she liked it. Um, in all reality, both of us were kind of trying to figure out how to get out of it and kind of move on. This art school quickly became more than either one of them could expect. The owner offered them the option to take over the school entirely. At the time when both of us were leaving that job, the owner of the school basically, um, she just felt like she was supposed to kind of offer us the opportunity to buy the school, to take the school from her. Um, it wasn't a buyout. In her. She was going to give it to us. Um, but in some sense, it was kind of like a, a buyout. So we um, didn't want to do that. <laughs> we basically ran away from it for a year uh, where we were just like, no, 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 like, please, no, 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 no. Accepting the offer proved to be a challenging decision for both Darren and Trisha. They grappled with the notion that assuming control of the school might mean giving up their own dreams of establishing careers as artists. Um, but again, as we... Like we were struggling, and this is where we saw this internal struggle. Um, we were thinking, like, we went to Art Center, we, we invested this money and time. We, we, and this is very selfish thinking, like, we can't just become art teachers. Like, we want to make a career, you know? Like, we want to have a career and see what our maximum potential is instead of kind of just like never pursuing that and just teaching art. And I think that's where we realized, like, okay, like, there's a lot of selfishness in our pursuits and all these different things. And we started to, you know, as we prayed about it and stuff, started to fall in love with this idea of, like, sharing 
in a sense, in a sense, like our gift and our talent with kids, you know. And, and uh, I think as we found love with that vision, we became more open to the idea of taking the school. And then eventually, we decided that that's what we were going to do. But we really saw it as like, if we take the school, we're basically ending our art career because it's it's not just teaching. We're becoming business owners, you know. And there's so much that goes along with that. Soon, they gave in and agreed to take over the school. So when exactly did you take it over? Officially? Yeah. 2017. 2017. And, and, but prior to that, we were, uh, Tricia did like a two-year internship. As the assistant director. She was the assistant director for two years. And that was, again, in the interim where we are like, uh, I don't know if we really want this. So it was this very long, drawn-out process of acquiring the school. Um, 2017, we fully acquired it. It was completely our business. What was that stress like for you to take over the business? So I had never, I had had some struggles with anxiety, but I had like panic attacks for the first time when we're rushing to business. Because I think just the pressure of expectation. Um, like I think at the height of our school, we had around 100 students. Um, so that's a lot of families to manage, a lot of expectations. And how did you deal with that stress, Trisha? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. I feel like, I don't know, that God just really protects us because I think Darren and I tend to have anxiety at different times. Yes. yes. <laughs> Thank God, because if we were both spiraling, I don't know what would happen. Yeah. So it's just weird. You know, there, there are plenty of times that I'm just super stressed, really anxious about things, and, and Darren's able to encourage me, comfort me, challenge me. And then like a week later, the roles flipped, yeah. you know, like Darren is like spiraling. He's having a panic attack. And I'm like, we'll be fine. You yeah. have no money, but it's good. It's all good. You know? Yeah. So I, I think that is um, a really big benefit to partnership, um, especially when we're able to encourage each other forward instead of dragging each other down into despair. <laughs> Despite their demanding roles in managing the school, they remain committed to their art and made a conscious effort to continue their creative endeavors. And at the time, we were doing our own artwork, and that's actually when Trisha and I were exploring, um, you know, our collaborative work. That's the first time we really started collaborating. But we had no goals of it becoming anything. It really was, in our minds, uh, an integrity thing where we're like, if we're teaching kids art, we should be doing art. It was like a mantra that we had at our school. Uh, those who teach should do. We wanted to stay in that kind of battleground, you know, that artists and creatives struggle in. Like when they're creating something, it's hard and there's a lot of things that you struggle with. We wanted to have that same struggle so that as we taught the kids, we could relate to their struggle, you know. Then soon as things started to get better and they began to turn a profit, the pandemic hit. 2020 was the first year where our business was in the black, where we were actually making an income and able to save money. And then we lose the business. <laughs> you know, it was the first year where we got out of debt. It's 2020. We were like, yes, we finally get to build, you know? And then it gets kind of taken away. Um, so there was just, a, it was a huge learning journey. And we still look back on it and kind of pull out a lot of things that like, uh, you know, a lot of life lessons from it. But yeah, there was nothing, there's no time in our life I think that was more stressful. Very stressed, overworked. Working 10, 12-hour days, you know, that was normal, you know, and we did that for three, three years, you know. 
you know, it, it was a very stressful time, you know, in the three years of owning the business. And then, of course, like the pandemic, the shutdown, like all, that was its own crazy experience. But I would say overall that the struggle really led to a lot of growth. Um, and it just took a lot of humility, honestly. Despite their best efforts to sustain the school, the relentless challenges posed by the pandemic ultimately forced them to make the heart-wrenching decision to permanently close the institution. It was painful. There were a lot of tears. It's still painful, even to a certain degree, to think about it. Um, because, in a sense, at least how we ran our art school, like we're talking to the kids about their family life, their you know homeschool, their friends, what they're into. Like it was so much more than just teaching art. On top of that, just the more selfish things, like you know, I think the statistic is like what was it? Ninety percent of businesses close down in their first. Like five years, five years something. something like yeah. that, right? Or three or five years. And I just didn't want to be that statistic. <laughs> it was like three years and then we lose the business. I'm like, oh man, we're failure. One of those failed businesses, you know. But through that heartbreaking event would come growth. And uh, Trisha's parents are really into gardening. And I remember them uh, pruning their fruit trees. And when they prune them, it literally looks like they're killing the tree. It's like there are no branches on it. It's like, it's not how a person who's thinking about pruning would actually prune. If you know what you're doing, it's like, it looks dead. Right? It's like, <laughs> you get too much, man. Like you cut off everything. Um, but that was the image I had in my mind. And I felt like that's what, in a sense, God was doing in our lives. That there was this pruning that was happening. And when you think about pruning, the intention of the gardener is not to kill the plant. It's actually for the plant to bear more fruit in the following season. So that kind of just really stuck with both Trish and I that, okay, we're losing the school. Everything we had worked on and built um, is being cut away. But the heart of our care for the kids, our care to be generous, ability to teach and to share the gift has just grown, you know. And it's now that, in a sense, all the business stuff that was taken up, you know, like I was saying, 10-hour days, 12-hour days, all that stuff is now gone. Now we have a chance to rebuild. And it's important to know that they wouldn't have managed that challenging period of time without each other's support and companionship. Uh, Because it's really easy to have like victim mentality. It's really easy to blame other people. It's really easy to make excuses. And Darren wouldn't let me, (laughs) (laughs) you know, he's, he's really good at pointing me forward. Um, and so I'm really thankful to Darren for doing that. And yeah, I just feel like it's just a point of, like I mentioned before, just looking the anxiety in the eye and like dealing with it. Um, and so much of that just comes from, uh, just remembering who I am, you know, that I am a loved person. I am an important person, regardless of what I do or don't do, regardless of how other people perceive me. And even regardless of how I tend to perceive myself, that there's a greater reality beyond that. Uh, Because, you know, feelings, they come and go. I could feel great about myself one day and horrible the next. Like, but that doesn't change who I am or who I'm supposed to be, you know. So I just feel like learning that lesson repeatedly of, like, there's something greater than me. There is good plan for me. I have security and things that are not 
prone to change, you know, um, these are things that I can hang on to when I am like spiraling and having a really hard time or, you know, again, want to slip into like the victim mindset or, you know, these sort of, sort of insecurities. So yeah, it was hard, but I'm really thankful for it. I really learned a lot these past several years. And I just want to, I always want to jump in there too, because hundred percent you heard from me, like it was stressful. Like that was my experience. I was like really stressed and Trisha really was a rock for those, the three years. And then definitely that last year, 2020, um, like she just, yeah, it's so strange because she does struggle with anxiety, maybe in some ways on a day-to-day level, sometimes more than I do on these big things, for whatever reason, she was just like, it's going to be okay. She's like, you know, like, um, you know, we would just pray together. I remember like hyperventilating, like in the bed one night, I was just like, my mind was spinning. I couldn't sleep. I was sitting up, sweating, like just hyperventilating. I could not control myself. And she was just, you know, stroking my back, praying for me. And she's just like, it's going to be okay. We can trust God and it's going to be okay. And, um, I don't know where I would have gone mentally or, you know, all these different things if Trisha wasn't there. So you'd been making art together for a while before closing the school. So when exact so when exactly did that start and, and why? The seed of it for me was actually Trisha's last semester at Art Center. She had illustrated this children's book and uh, it made me cry. and i remember i was like it's a kid's book you know but there was something powerful about being able to distill deeply human emotion and kind of the theme of it was this idea of shame and uh love and love kind of overcoming somebody else's shame um and i was just really moved by it and i I was in love with trisha's artwork from that because it was done so simply Later down the line, they would participate in a group show together where each artist would have to create a work of art on a post-it note. You know, we saw it as this very like fun thing where like, oh, like, let's just try to do some post-its together, you know? And for me, I was like, can I just paint one of your drawings, you know, or a few of your drawings? And that's really how it started. It was, um, there was no plan to try to do work together or, you know, to try to fuse our styles long-term. It was just kind of a project. You know, let's just have fun and do it. Uncertain of the outcome, they embarked on their creative journey. To their pleasant surprise, they not only found immense satisfaction in their work, but also witnessed their creations being purchased. This realization marked the beginning of something truly amazing. For my personal work, I hadn't really sold anything. <laughs> I had sold stuff too. I had sold stuff at shows and then I would get all excited and then I'd find out it was my mom who bought it. You know? <laughs> and I was like, dang it, like that doesn't count, you know. Uh, that would happen, you know. That happened a few times and I was so frustrated. I was like, God, nobody likes my work except for my mom. You know? <laughs> um, but then uh, the post-it notes, yeah, they sold. And it was so funny because when they sold, and we had told the story multiple times, um, but it's like, it never occurred to us that they sold. Uh, it, 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 the first thought that came to my mind was, oh, Eric, the gallerist, uh, who's an awesome guy, like, oh, he forgot to hang our work. You know, that's basically what I thought. So I remember going up to him very tentatively, like, oh, I didn't see our work on the walls. Like, no, did it get forgotten? You know, something <laughs> like that. And he's like, oh, no, it's like, we sold. And, I, and we were like, we sold? Like, that's crazy. Like, we didn't expect that. 
Um, so I think it was like for maybe one or two years after that, we just continued to do the posted show and then slowly kind of moved up to bigger and bigger canvases. You know? And at the heart of their work is Trisha's sketchbook. I shared the way I would describe Trisha's role is that she's the magic behind everything that we do. And that's because I cannot draw or imagine things that would be even remotely cute or endearing <laughs> or anything that a lot of people feel for my work. Like there's a lot of heart behind it. And um, like Trisha said, sometimes she doesn't see these, or in the past, she hasn't seen some of the work before it's actually done. And that's because, uh, it, but it, but she's very much attached to it because I've always been emulating what's in her sketchbook, basically. Mm-hmm. Like where I draw my inspiration from is from her sketchbook. Like I will sit in the studio looking through it, laughing, getting emotional and crying. And like, it's just like, it's, it's like, there's so much there, you know, um, that is a direct reflection of even Trisha's personality. In the beginning, it was a lot of Darren bringing Trisha's characters and stories to the campus. But as they have grown, they started to influence one another's work even more. But it has become its own. So one thing that's very yeah. interesting is over the years when it was just my painting and just Trisha's drawing, it was very clear that those were the two things that we were offering. But at this point, the painting style has informed Trisha's drawing style. Because now she draws her characters different than she did mm-hmm. early in the Georgia universe. And then same with me, painting-wise, it's, it's developed to... And it's kind of funny. It's actually going back now towards the type of painting that Trisha really liked from me that I used to do back in college. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's getting, uh, for a season that's really tight, it's starting to kind of get a little bit looser again. And uh, yeah, so it's just interesting how things are developing, but the actual end result is becoming more and more something that I can't, couldn't have really created myself and that Trisha couldn't have really created herself. And so what do you two see for yourselves moving forward now in the art world? I don't plan on kicking Darren out at any, <laughs> any, any point. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because this is something that Darren and I were just talking about. I think even last week is I, I feel like there's such a struggle between that tension of dreaming, having the freedom to dream something. And then at the same time, holding it loosely and not being disappointed if it doesn't work out, Mm. you know, because I feel like there's such a need for control in us, um, in us anxious people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So it's easier to just not dream. It's easier to just do what you're good at. Right. It's just easier to be like, this is this is my comfort zone. This is safe. I'm not going to be disappointed by this, you Mm. know. But on the other hand, there are dreamers whose feet never touch the ground, right? And, and and then if it doesn't turn out the way that they hope, that is soul crushing. Dreams are from like your soul, right? And it's soul crushing when they're disappointed, when, when things don't turn out. And so how do we do both at the same time? How do we have freedom to dream, but be okay when life takes a turn? Whatever. So it it can be from the most mundane to the most, you know, soul revealing sort of things. And so I think that that's something that I will continuously be thinking about and figuring out. How do we keep dreaming for Georgico and not put ourselves into a box, but be okay with however the future leads us, with however God leads us. Um, 
you know, because we just don't know. I, I said before, I had no idea we were going to end up in the gallery world, you know, and somehow we're here. So how do we just do a good job with what we have and be okay when life takes the journey? Darren and Trisha had shared a deep-seated passion for art and creativity, but they had often dealt with uncertainty about their future. It wasn't until they allowed themselves to release their own expectations and follow their heart that some clarity began to emerge. Their journey was far from easy, and even now they're at an early stage in their careers, and there will most likely be more challenges ahead. But just like before, they have each other's support that will help them step back from that ledge of self-doubt. I feel like each episode in some way becomes a lesson whether I mean for it to or not. So let's recap today's lesson. We learned a few things that I hope to remember throughout my days and things I want you to remember if you're an emerging creative. One, follow your heart. Two, know that it's okay not to be certain about life. Three, don't compare your journey to anyone else's. And number four, and most importantly, through suffering comes growth. And without that growth, we can't achieve our goals. Thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was produced, written, edited, and everything else by me, Jacob Johnson. And thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. If you enjoy the show and want to see it improve while also getting bonus content, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash myartisreal. Thank you, and I will see you in the next episode.